The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. I hope everyone is doing well on this fabulous new day where each moment we have the opportunity to expand into the greater aspects of ourselves and really discover uh, what we can let go of and what we can unlearn so that we can know the unknown self. As many of you know, I'm embarking on the Rebel Road going throughout the country, throughout North America over the next 11 months in that journey of really trusting life, living in wide-eyed wonder and taking it moment by moment in the way that I believe we were intended to live, that way of children, that way of openness, that way of trust and just allowing life to be life and allowing it to unfold in an organic way without having to plan, without having to organize. And I think that's why I'm so very excited about the conversation that we're going to have this evening with Joseph Chilton Pierce. As usual, the exactly right book shows up at the right time. And so much in his new book, The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think, speaks to this Rebel Road journey that I have been inspired to take with my own two children around the country. He speaks so much about the distinctions between the way the heart and mind work, but more so he speaks a lot about children and, and the way it is and becoming the child and, and how the heart really is the, the intelligence that we shall tap into rather than just the intellect that we have been born into. It is true that we are all with the pathologies of our present day, and as we notice and become aware of these pathologies and attain the courage to let them go, we can start to discover who and what we really are rather than staying locked in the confines and restrictions and limitations of what we have let ourselves be. Joseph Chilton Pierce is the author of many books, including The Biology of Transcendence, The Crack in the Cosmic Egg, and Magical Child. Since the 1970s, he has lectured and led workshops about the changing needs of children and the development of human society. His new book, again, is entitled The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think. Thank you so much for being on 1111 Talk Radio. Joseph, welcome. Do I have you with me? Yes, ma'am. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm thrilled to have you here, and I want to dive right into this conversation. And the place that I'd love to start is talking about uh, how we have in place cultural counterfeits of nurturing, how, how we are in a society now or how our 
technologies and our TVs and the many different ways that we're being nurtured now are actually our counterfeits and based in the head rather than the heart-based nurturing that is definitely what is so guiding for our spirit. Well, all I can say is that's what my book is aiming toward is to make us aware of the true nurturing of the human spirit and uh, how that's being ignored rather rather strenuously. Um, I guess you're thinking, I was looking back over notes, and, you know, back in the first part of the 20th century, Arthur Eddington, one of our great scientists, uh, said he, he wondered how it was that this tiny little two or three clump of jelly in our our skull could possibly have discovered and even learned to control a great deal of the universe out there. And uh, my, my point, of course, was that man's mind mirrors a universe that mirrors man's mind. Each gives rise to the other. And uh, that that's a, a big statement. But that is the, the answer I'm giving in my book and do every chance I get that we're involved in the creation of our own making. Uh, if we don't like it, we, we can change that making. And so... Uh, And you talk about it being like two mirrors that are directly opposite of each other. And when I think about that, I think about, number one, the multitude of reflections that would be there, because if you're having two mirrors opposite each other, there's going to be this almost infinite landscape that exists, but yet it is going to mirror exactly what's on the other side. So I see what you're saying about we create uh, the universe and the universe creates us. Yes. But we we act as though we don't, and it's to our great detriment. One of my concerns, uh, I certainly get into it in this book, but real concern of mine is what is happening to the earth itself. Uh, The earth, as you know from great research that's been coming out uh, uh, since the oh the end of World War One, actually, uh, is the discovery that the Earth is a living entity. Uh, the planet, the Earth planet, is is alive and intelligent. And uh, they were pointing out this this uh, looking at the Earth as as a living process that we contribute to and draw on, and that we have been getting careless about that. Uh, I think of the work of Williamson um, and Pierce, Ennis Pierce. These were two Scottish Scottish physicians who started uh, a research clinic in, in London in 1926, and what they found this massive research that they did to brilliant people 
was really quite startling because they were the first ones to make the claim that the Earth was a living organism um, long before we heard of who were the other people that came along, the Gaia theory and all that. They, they had it all nailed down and were warning that, that, uh, the, uh, that we had become a cancer on the surface of the Earth. And that as a result, we could look for cancer to become the most prevalent of all ways by which we were killing ourselves. Uh, And uh, in 1954, Williamson and Pierce published their first really great study. It's a huge volume and not easy to read. It was called Science, Synthesis, and Sanity. And they've used the word sanity to mean wholeness or completeness. And uh, since then, what they have said has been borne out in every possible way. And so my, in, in my new book here, I'm just trying to bring this out as clearly as possible, that we are subject to the uh, the global conditions which we are bringing about by our own complete disregard of the well-being of the planet itself. So, so as I, I hear I you, as I hear you talk about that, I, I bring together a couple of points that I made note of from your book, and, and one thing that you stated was that creation is not just an intelligent process; it is intelligence itself and that its vital counterpart is evolution. And if we go back and look at that mirror concept of mirrors opposite each other and we're reflecting nature, then that sickness that is being revealed in nature would then also mean that there is uh, the same internal sickness within ourselves that is also creating what's going on outside. If that's the case, then the initial nurturing that we have gotten away from is actually the nurturing of nature itself. And it's not that nature's not nurturing us, but we're not allowing ourselves to be nurtured by nature. You've got a great, great two points there, actually, and it's quite true. Uh, the, the nurturing of, well, we can go one step further and look at our nurturing of our infants. In fact, I was just glancing at Michael O'Donnell's studies of uh, the uh, of the uh, relationship between the mother and her emotional state and what goes on in birth itself. Ozon delivered, you know, about 2,000 infants, I think, over in Pitivier, France, uh, uh, and then uh, set up his own shop in uh, London to further study all involved in human nurturing and not nurturing, uh, particularly at birth and the pre-birth influence. Um, he, he pointed out that uh, the the uh, failure to nurture the infant at birth brings about profound changes in every aspect of that infant and its growth. But he's also now coming out with a lot of research to show 
that the influence of the mother and her emotional state on the fetus during uh, the period of of, of uh, carrying that child also enters into this whole thing. So if the mother herself is not net nurtured while she is carrying that infant in her womb, that lack of nurturing will be carried over uh, to her her infant in the womb. And so we find again and again that this business of failure of nurturing is a critical critical part of we're failing to nurture the earth. As a result, it can no longer nurture us properly, and we're doing that generation by generation. So I think one of the one of the great things we could do would be to concentrate on just what is meant by this word nurturing. Hmm. Culture counters any understanding of opening to the heart by cultural counterfeit of heart intelligence as sentiment, as sweetness, and light, sympathy, and projected self-pity. There are things stated like, oh, come on now, have a heart. The true opening of the heart requires suspending, letting go of not only the intellect, its rationality and comprehension of self and world, but also our ever-present and passionate drive for survival. This is from the book, The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think, and the author is Joseph Chilton Pierce. He is an author of many books, including The Biology of Transcendence, The Crack in the Cosmic Egg, and Magical Child. You can get The Heart-Mind Matrix at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any uh, books bookstores near you. Definitely pick up your copy, and we'll be right back with Joseph Chilton Pierce. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. 
You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Before we get back to our guests, I do want to mention that the new issue of 1111 Magazine was just released. This is my free gift to humanity, and it is filled, this issue, with some amazing articles and features from people all over the world. So I invite you to read some of the beautiful words of Maureen Moss to discover Esther Nicholson's story of moving through addiction and how the 12 steps became her 12 keys. In addition to learning about sacred geometry, how nature really influences us and can be a nurturing support to us, and many other wonderful articles, you can register for your free subscription of 1111 magazine at 1111mag.com. And while you're there, definitely take a look at the TED Talk that I did. I invite you to watch it and allow yourself to experience the words and see if it brings you some peace or at least allows you to release some burdens that you may have been carrying. My guest today is Joseph Chilton Pierce, and he's the author of The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think. The failure to nurture results in serious brain-minded alterations such that any moral ethical persuasions concerning nurturing becomes useless since not really heard. We can hear only that for which we have receptive capacity. We have had love preached to us for at least 2,000 years with virtually no appreciable decrease in violence nor increase in love. Only the state of love can hear that which is resonant. This is a classic double bind a catch-22. An alternate approach would be the straight biological and neurological one that arises from a Darwin II position. In such approach, the starting point lies in grasping the fourfold nature of our evolutionary brain. This is from the book, The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think by Joseph Chilton Pierce. Joseph, I'd like to talk about that. Um, perhaps go into the four stages of the brain and how we have our own internal civil war that is going on and your concept of the loops that that start to occur um, through that whole process. Talk a little bit about that. Well, here we uh, I've said that the, the cosmos and myself are the same creative process, a mirroring loop. By mirroring, it means each gives rise to the other, a mirroring loop of potential in the process of realizing itself. Um, I've said here that creation takes place through the evolutionary process, just as evolution is that creative process. That's what we mean by a loop. Um, uh, creation and evolution give rise to each other, and that's what I refer to as a strange loop process. Uh, the endless expression of creation, which spreads out from us universally, is essentially of the same order as our self and its searching within. Uh, we're, the, we're the only... The only way creation <clears throat> can be, uh, but we are not that identically. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, getting my thoughts tangled up there. 
we're we're not not identically that creation. Uh, I'm thinking of Meister Eckhart expressed it some six centuries ago. Within me, with no Eckhart said, without me, God is not. <laughs> uh, recognizing that without God, Eckhart was not. That mm. Eckhart and God were a strange loop connection, each giving rise to the other. Uh, so that, that's one of the issues that this this little book of mine has tried to deal with. Uh, so in the book you talk about, and you go through the, the, the different brains, and then you talk about transcendence, incorporation, and integration. In the process of evolution, is that integration what allows us to tap into the higher brains so that we open up more to our true selves? And does it still require um, the dark night of the soul, the processing that in the past has always been required to come to these awarenesses? Well, if I'm, you know, I'm having kind of a hard time understanding you. Uh, you're not coming through very clearly. Uh, that's probably the, the telephone issue here. But... Uh, the uh, I, I'm not sure where we were with it, but uh, I, I said here, talking about Eckhart, uh, saying that uh, without God, Eckhart was not, not, and without Eckhart, God was not. They gave rise to each other. And uh, in no way was he saying that Eckhart was God, or the vice versa. Eckhart and God were a strange loop, each giving rise to the other. Uh, and that really is the case for each of us, and it's a, a great thing to discover. So tell me, um, there's a paragraph in your book, and it says the incorporation-integration process plays a profound role in child development and could lead us into the rediscovery of our true nature as co-creators of life. Above all, here we find why abandonment of the infant child in its earliest stage is such an ongoing disaster. Can you talk a little bit about that abandonment process versus that integration process and why, uh, why that, that loop is such an important one to repair? Oh well, uh, I think that that the Michael Ogant, Michelle Ogant, who set up his shop over there in London to study this very very issue, um, the finds that the most critical thing at birth uh, is nurturing from the mother, uh, but that the influence of the mother uh, during during the uh, pregnancy period itself, her emotional state was as critically important. So we find that from the beginning, 
the the uh, emotional state of mother and infant kind of give, give rise to each other, and and you find that if we think we can abandon essentially abandon the mother, uh, we're we're also abandoning the infant simultaneously. Uh, they they are uh, they they give rise to each other, and we have to have to nurture both of them. And our failure to do that, we're paying a dreadful price for it. Um, the abandonment of of American children to to um, electronic process uh, has been studied by some very intelligent people. And they they find that the average American infant of six months of age spends about two hours a day in front of a bat, backlit screen, such as a television, a computer, or some of these feedback devices. And that these have a profound effect on the infant right from the very beginning. So we we find that the failure to nurture our infants and give them instead all these electronic devices is exactly counterproductive and is is breeding real trouble for us later on. You speak a lot about Candace Pert's uh, work and the biology of emotion that takes place there and how that creates a genetic blueprint how how much of us are our genetic blueprint and how much of us are our generational blueprint? That would be, I think that the generational, you mean, it has been handed down for a long time? Yes. Oh, I, don't, I think that can be changed very quickly by current events. That is, if you take a mother uh, from a, a very backward uh, civilization and all, and 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 give her the chance to uh, use the knowledge we have today. Boy, it, it doesn't make a bit of difference to the to the infant. They they bloom readily when given the chance. And um, I think our our grasp of what really is involved in nurturing our children is being seriously threatened today by just this constant immersion <clears throat> in electronic feedback. The little children running around with these things in their hands all the time, referring to them, uh, uh, reacting to them, uh, and, uh, and so on. This is, this is uh, very counterproductive uh, from the standpoint of our next generation. I, I know that I've, I've seen an interview of you, and also in the book you talk about how children are this ball of energy and curiosity and ceaseless movement, and how uh, even as infants they just spend time in wide-eyed wonder uh, just looking at the world and how that is so much of what instills within them the ability to create or the ability to expand and the ability to be but that we are a society that questions that or that would look at that and think something's wrong with the child or something's wrong with the parents that allow a child to be that. Is that a place that we need to now, as even adults, 
go back to, let ourselves have time and space to just stare out with wide-eyed wonder. Well, it, that's one of the most interesting things that's come out of it. It's not a really good research. And this came out a good number of years ago uh, when, when they discovered that children who spend a great deal of time in blank, open-eyed staring, doing nothing at all, are developing on levels that we know nothing about, and it is one of the most valuable things they can be given. Uh, and yet we figure if a child is just sitting around doing nothing, that we should immediately occupy them with things they can do. Whereas the truth of the matter is they need a great deal of time to themselves in silence. Um, the... the, the discovered that some of the most brilliant little children were once who spent a great deal of time in blank, open-eyed staring, doing nothing at all. I just loved that when I came across that research. Well, and we are such a society of ambition and dizziness that even the concept of doing nothing at all and, and just being there in that state most people would think of that as a waste of time or 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 a not accomplishing enough, not being enough, not doing enough. Well, of course, now the baby Einstein stuff goes around from the crib on. All these people selling this, this worthless stuff that supposedly will make your infant a lot and your little developing child a lot more intelligent. And the truth of the matter is exactly the opposite. They need lots and lots of time all by themselves, uh, doing nothing at all. Uh, uh, and particularly uh, as they, as they uh, go, I, I think it's around age four, when this begins to take on sorts of, all sorts of implications. These silent periods, they're very critically necessary throughout a a child's uh, uh, life. And to to cram them full of busyness and things they could be doing to improve themselves has proven to be pretty counterproductive. On entrance of this toddling ball of energy, curiosity, and ceaseless movement, it looks as though nature's great question will be answered in the affirmative after all that child's spirit soaring in high excitement as it reaches out to embrace and absorb its new environment. In, in Joe's family, they refer to this as the ooh-ah period of child enchantment and the constant pointing toward in surprise and delight over its new world unfolding. This should be our lifelong state of living in constant astonishment at the wonders that do unfold. This is the, from the book, The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think by Joseph Chilton Pierce. You can get your copy at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere that books are sold. And I urge you to discover more of how it is that we are to be nurtured, more childlike, and have our intelligence based in the heart. We'll be right back with Joseph Chilton Pierce. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. 
Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome back. I am speaking with Joseph Jilson Pierce. He is the author of The Heart-Mind Matrix. And I want to get into the great conflict. So often, and in most cases, as children, we come in very open and empathic and full of wonder and exploration, and yet that seems to be curbed at a certain point, either by counterfeit nurturing or through commands that take us from the truth of who we are and start to embed different types of belief systems. Joseph, I'd like for you to talk about the the genetic directives or the instinctual commands that we have as children and then what those contradictory commands are that end up happening. Well, the first one I would mention is the fact that children need and look for uh, time to themselves, time to be quiet, time to to daydream and and just sit and do nothing. And one of the first things they find is that that's hedged in on every hand. They're simply uh, not encouraged in that at all. And the the other thing... um, that that we do is cross cross directives. Uh, a con, a, the child, early, particularly early children, are constantly bombarded by uh, "Don't do this and don't do that." Uh, I, the, the, I'm trying to think of the, the great research person that says every at least every nine minutes the child receives a harsh negative command uh, concerning uh, their their attention <clears throat> to to uh, make them attend uh, their uh, attend things that they, that they have no use for that don't don't mean anything and yet they are uh, uh, they're all but enforced into this constant attention of things that that don't apply to them. Uh, 
so uh, the the other part is the child being given uh, cross directives. Uh, the the child's impulse is to reach for, for instance, if, if they're in the in the uh, playpen or in a shopping cart or something, to reach for uh, something new and shiny. And yet, uh, nine times out of ten, they'll hear the comment, "Don't do that. Don't touch." And you find that "don't touch" becomes one of the most constant demands made on the child when they're in the stage of wanting to touch, contact, and, and get the feel of everything uh, around them. So those those uh, cross-directives of that which nature drives them to do and that which their, uh, their parents or society drive them to do and how they're in conflict. So, Joseph, where's the balance in that? How do we know to step back and let them do everything, but yet there's that that side of us as parents that are also trying to be protective or, or I guess, conditioning them to a world that we've been conditioned into ourselves? Well, certainly it's our own conditioning that enters in <clears throat> at that point. Uh, the the uh, child who's sitting doing nothing will hear more than anything. Don't just sit there, do something. <clears throat> we feel that if they're wasting their time, they they won't go develop their intelligence. And the, it's generally just the opposite. They need time just to be with their world, just to be in nature. Uh, just to absorb it and uh, not being given directives all the time. Uh, who has it said that every nine minutes the child hears a, a, a contradictory demand uh, of to, to not touch uh, and not interact, et cetera, et cetera, and... Uh, Yes, you're right that Alan Shore's study actually uh, illustrated that, and I find that so interesting, just knowing what the number nine means, uh, since I'm so uh, entrenched in numerology, nine actually symbolizes healing. And so it also appears that every time we as a parent or as an adult are wanting to tell that child not to do something, if it is that every nine minutes, what's actually happening is an opportunity for us to look at the conditioning that we've had. It just illustrates how our children are actually our teachers. Oh, oh indeed, and how <clears throat> we find quite often that things they're doing which disturb us are simply things that threaten our own social image of self. Uh, our, generally, the parents' concern over their, their image as a parent to the society around them is far more critical or every bit as critical as their concern over their child. That sounds uh, like a harsh criticism to make, but uh, the parents' concern about what other people say about their parenting can often influence their parenting itself. 
We're now, when we about. look at children's uh, activities and things like that, I like the section where you talk about how the organization of sports uh, also kind of squashes things or how how some of these different ways that we've tried to place such control measures on are really not serving the child and actually taking away their ability to to just experience play and driving in that aggressive drive or that get-ahead or that spirit more of competition rather than of play. Talk a little bit about that. Well, certainly the... Uh, the uh... Wait a minute, pardon me. We're having an electric storm here, and I'm just trying to wait. Yeah, it seems clear. Uh, what was this now? We were talking about... Uh, it's your uh, section the, uh, that's entitled Playing Dying on the Vine, talking about the organization of sports and how that is oh, the most yes. insidious attack undermining children. How we How we moved into play and changed it into sport. Uh, we never heard of sport when I was a child. We played backyard baseball, backyard football, and things like that, but we had never thought of it as sport. And we did not play to win. We played for the joy of the play itself. Winning and losing come in from the effect of adult audiences, and they're the ones who bring in the whole issue of the child winning or losing and and uh, so on, whereas for, for true play, a child has no interest in winning or losing. And I can remember playing um, uh, all sorts of backyard and sandlot games, and we never kept even score because the sides changed all the time as parents would call different children home and to keep the sides balanced we just shifted members around so the the issue of of um, play is not the issue of winning and losing that's an, a, a much later adult influence coming in uh, when it's the adults themselves that wants their child to win and their child to these things. And it's really not at all what nature intends at that period. Mm -hmm. I love uh, one of the sections where you're talking about reconsidering the heart, and you write that the heart is the source of intelligence while brain-mind is the source of intellect. And you speak of that being like the right and left hands but yet this is a strange loop. Can you speak a little more to that, and are we to follow more of the intelligence of the heart or the intellect of the brain? I've gone into that in this brand-new book more than any other. Uh, the, the issue of what is really involved in the heart is breathtaking. Uh, the, the entire universe is within the heart. Uh, the whole world is within the heart and expressed outwardly. Uh, I think it was it uh, uh, Rudolf Steiner or some of those very brilliant people who speak of the heart, uh, the heart image of the world is reflected outwardly billions of times a second, uh, but that the heart is the is the 
feet of it, uh, and and how this is is uh, an an issue we have to just have to uh, face up to. It, it, that if if we take over that kind of thing and turn it it from uh, play into winning and losing, the child is the one who loses. Mm. I'm going to read a portion from the book, The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think by Joseph Tilton Pierce. Very, very powerful section. An encultured intellect, which includes virtually all of us, is driven to justify its existence and prove itself worthy in the eyes of that culture through any possibility afforded, appropriate or not. Stripped of self-worth through enculturation, we are accused of worthlessness until proven worthy in culture's eyes. Thus we harbor a hidden feeling of guilt for not measuring up, which failure is, in effect, a cultural sin lurking within us. This covert notion of failure drives us to do anything that might measure up to culture's standard and so be forgiven, in effect, by that culture, which is rather like seeking absolution of sins in the middle of a drinking spree in a whorehouse. (laughs) Heart intelligence, on the other hand, moves only for well-being of self, body, spirit, and world, and no greater contrast can be found than that between an encultured intellect and the open intelligence of heart. Intellect and intelligence are so close, interrelated, and interdependent when functioning as an intact strange loop, but so far apart when split by culture. Through enculturation, heart is not only never heeded, but almost never heard. The lines of communication between heart and brain-mind have been compromised or near eliminated by enculturation, and this at every level, biological, psychological, and spiritual, underestimate the brilliance of this human intellect, nor apologize for it. Appropriateness as granted by heart brings coherence, balance, and an open-ended present with a future flowing into it, free of consequence or past influence. This is from the Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think, by Joseph Tilton Pierce. And we will be right back with him more on this discussion of heart's intelligence. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. 
invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. As I embark on my own rebel road, truly wanting to dive into the heart, live in that state of wonder, and really be the child in my own life again, there are words within Joseph Chilton Pierce's book, The Heart-Mind Matrix, that truly resonate with me, and I would love to share some more of these words with you. True opening of the heart requires suspending, letting go of not only intellect, its rationality and comprehension of self and world, but also our ever-present and passionate drive for survival. Opening of the heart goes one step further. It involves not just a suspension of concern over survival of body-brain, but just as critically, suspension of concern for our image of self in the public eye, identity of self as rational, responsible, and respectable. In suspending our survival drive, we open to new possibilities, but in opening to the heart, we abandon all possibility and identity as known, giving ourself as mind to that self as heart, and no longer claiming jurisdiction over either, for identity no longer tries or needs to be in charge. This is not an abandonment of personal responsibility, which is a cultural criterion many people would welcome, but rather far more extreme. This is the abandon found in George Fox and Jesus throwing away their selves, including that noble and respectable self-responsibility admired by culture. Having thrown away even the last vestige of cultural approval, one then finds oneself in a broader and unconstricted frame of reference altogether, the only state through which one can become an instrument of spirit. I just, I love that whole section, and it so speaks to me, Joseph, because of what I'm about to do myself. Talk about letting go of these images and these pieces of self that we think we are to be able to expand into something greater like that? Well, I think of the the comment, the ease, E-A-S-E, the ease and order of nature. Uh, When we get to think of the two things that are really missing in most of our lives are ease and order. And Mm. that ease and order are the true state into which we are born and should maintain. I think of the book Original Wisdom. I don't know that... I find a lot of people who have never come across that book. Um, Written by Robert Wolfe, with two F's on the end of his name. He was an incredible individual who spent a great deal of his life in Malaysia as a as a government ser- servant, uh, uh, he was a, 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 a theory. Uh, I mean, he worked with the Malaysian people, and in the course of that, he discovered the very almost mythical Signoy people, um, and it was uh, take. It took him years and years for the Signoy people to allow 
themselves to be seen by Robert Wolfe. And he, they then allowed him to follow them in their, their way of life. And it, it nearly just, it ruined him for coming back to the real world. And uh, his, his memoirs of it were so astonishing. And he, uh, they came out with those memoirs. Uh, and, uh, oh, I think only about three or four years ago, uh, someone found his, uh, his diary and all, and they, they published them. And he speaks not just of the ease and order of nature, but even, even more than that, uh, the, the unity uh, with, with life itself and with nature that they found in this, with this group of Signoy people uh, in the middle of the Malaysian uh, rainforest. And uh, the, the the effect of it was so tremendous on Robert Wolfe that he really finally uh, be, uh, followed them so much he became one of them. And uh, he wrote this book, the uh, the, uh, the original uh, about the original intelligence which we we had at one point as humanity and has long since left, but it can be can be found again. And now, in the book, I, you talk about the different loops between heart and mind. Uh, in these brief couple of minutes we have left, can you talk about the holonomic heart and its mirroring loops? I'm not sure how you're using the term the holonomic heart. Well, the, you speak about the torus and the heart field and how that vibrates, uh, and, and we have that continuous field of energy. Mm-hmm. Is that torus from our heart connected with that torus of the earth and the sun uh, in, in a way that is unified and resonant. Oh, in, indeed, that is made quite clear in Robert Wolfe's book, that his presence in those forests gave him a different, set, a different forest than he had known uh, before he had discovered this this other other side of himself, and he he found that that was his his original wisdom that originally the human species lived in this state of pure bliss i mean to to uh to hear wolf talk about it just pure bliss and order, and that's where that term the order and ease of nature, that there, there's no struggle when you're one with nature. You're just it, and it provides for you, and that's what it's all about, and uh, how we have, we have lost that just tragically. And I think anybody who wants to read uh, Robert Wolfe's uh, uh, original wisdom couldn't do better than to, than to uh, immediately... I would read it several times until you really began to grasp it. The Taurus from our heart, as well as those from the earth and the sun, is an expression of a single unified resonant nature. 
the information of that totality with which our heart's radiations are designed to fuse is thus automatically an integral aspect of our own functionally individual heart as our heart is that of the larger torus. Our individual expression then contains the same information as that of the totality. This is from the book, The Heart-Mind Matrix, How the Heart Can Teach the Mind New Ways to Think. Joseph Chilton Pierce is the author of many books, including The Biology of Transcendence, The Crack in the Cosmic Egg, and The Magical Child. Thank you so much, Joseph, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's been an honor and a pleasure having this conversation with you. I thank you. You have expressed the book an awful lot better than I can. And you've done very well with it. And I thank you for doing that. Well, I appreciate your work in the world and how you're sharing so much to help us know how we are to uh, rear our children as well as be taught by them as to what we need to know. I invite everyone to get your free subscription to 1111 Magazine, My Gift to Humanity. Just go to 1111mag.com. Also, Tap into my book, Conversations with the Universe. You will never look at life the same way once you've read it. Also, you can check out my TED Talk. Uh, look up Simran Singh and be a part of the Rebel Road as I go across the, the entire North America, touching 66 cities with a message, a spirit, and the ability for you to now tap into, tap into your own rebel self. Until next week, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.